To another episode of Journey Through the Decacast, and this week, since it is one of our off weeks, and with our normal hosts out of commission due to some mm, troubles, we're going to go with a pretty timely a bit, because I'm recording this with less prep than usual, however, the universe saw fit to give me some fantastic tokusatsu news. Apparently... In a recent earnings call, Bandai put out that Ultraman was expected to be one of their largest properties in the coming year, and some people thought, well, maybe this means they're just really excited about the prospect of breaking into the U.S. with those recent Blu-ray releases. Turns out, about 12 hours ago as I record this, that they announced a deal at Tokyo Comic-Con where Marvel was going to begin making Ultraman comics, really kicking that brand into high gear. So, I figured it's as good a time as any to talk about the Ultra series as a whole, and in this episode, it's going to be very brief, it's just going to be a quick overview, and I'm also only going to cover the stuff that is currently available in English because... Mill Creek Entertainment is about to put out the rest of the series, but currently, at least what I have, has only got the first two sets out. So let's talk about Eiji Tsuburaya. He was a filmmaker of some immense talent in the Japanese film industry, and when World War II happened, he was conscripted and, like so many other creatives, became a propagandist for the war effort. Now, his work was fucking impressive, to the point that it is alleged, I don't know if this was ever confirmed, some of the propaganda footage he put out was used as, in some newsreels, as footage of the attack on Pearl Harbor, just because he had done such excellent miniature work. It's probably no surprise that after a long period where, you know, you get kind of blacklisted because you're one of the best propagandists of the era in a war you lost, he would eventually come back to Toho Studios and founded an entirely new craft of animation and special effects, basically beginning the tokusatsu genre when he created Godzilla, or Gojira technically. But the man came up with, I guess it's now dubbed Suitmation, which is a fantastically weird set of effects involving rubber suits, stop motion. There's a lot that actually goes into those things, as well as very excellent model work. It's a pretty impressive craft, and he was the king of it by a mile. So he developed a special effects studio of his own that would begin developing television products. Now, the first thing that he did was a black-and-white series in 1965, Ultra Q. It's really weird to revisit now, especially if you only have a passing knowledge of, but do have some idea about, the Ultraman franchise, because it's 
basically a weird... I don't even want to say Monster of the Week. Maybe Twilight Zone is a better comparison. Everything... There's no continuity. There's bizarre fables or morality tales. Sci-fi stuff. And it... I haven't gotten through it, but man. Things about, hey, Frankenstein's kids. Or radiation healing crippled old ladies. Or a magical train that takes you to a walrus dimension. Or... Ultra Q is bizarre, but the big part of the show was that these special effects could be impressive and done on a weekly budget, which was the proof of concept. He walked away from it at a certain thing, and what Subaraya did a lot, especially with television, is he would just go, okay, we're done here. As a result, uh, Ultraman has not really had the same, I guess, investment as some of the other tokusatsu franchises would down the line, there are not a lot of long-running shows that have the full year-long, week-after-week thing. Generally, it's miniseries, and I think one of the longest ones is the original Ultraman. Ultraman is, to sum it up, um, the original one is not quite what the series would become most known for, but Ultraman is an alien from space who can grow to giant size, power up limited time, fight big kaiju, city destruction, the end. It's not a very serious show to begin with, but it's really weird because in the middle of it, there's an episode called My Home is Earth which would kind of be the groundwork for where the series would go. It's... Alright. Ultraman is like basically invincible. You have good guy heroes. Aliens are pricks. Kaiju must be stopped. And not a lot of gray area. It's a show for children. My Home is Earth is where an alien shows up at Earth, attacking the UN during peace talks. The Science Patrol, which is who Ultraman's secret identity works for, are told they need to stop the alien, but not let the world know about the fact that he's not an alien. He is a human astronaut who got stranded in space by a callous government that covered up the whole incident when something went awry and left him there. He ended up becoming this weird mutant, and through sheer Count of Monte Cristo-like hatred and desire for revenge, mutated into a new form despite the fact that he was on a world that could not support human life, repaired his ship with what was available to him, and has crept back determined to destroy the government that betrayed him. So, this is a wild episode because... The comic relief character is the one who has a freaking breakdown when they find out the truth of this. Like, the the guy who's constantly... I... Mm, it's really hard to sum up how weird a shift in tone this is. This is like... 
Well, it's like the end of Kuga, where you have a happy-go-lucky character who has to commit bare-knuckle murder on someone crying the whole time. Ultraman drowns this dude in a pool, and this is all to save the peace talks, which go off perfectly fine. Nobody reveals what happened. The science team all have to take this secret to their grave. It's it's Watchmen. It's the whole, we did a horrible thing to save the Earth. Hopefully our souls are damned for good reason. And then it will never be referenced again for the rest of the show. After this, it goes on to Ultra 7, and the Ultraman series starts becoming more and more in that vein. Tales of morality and that the world is not always as clean a place as you hope, and maybe there's a darkness lurking underneath everything. Maybe man is the real enemy, but never... Well, okay, sometimes cliché. But that's... Yeah. Uh, Ultraman would be cut off around episode 39 because, again, Subaraya was just like, yeah, I'm done here. And he starts he starts jumping around. So there's this. There's now going to be a Marvel series. There's the whole Shin Ultraman thing coming. It's going to be an interesting time for Ultraman, and I highly recommend, if any of what I've just said intrigues you, pick up Ultraman, maybe, if you're intrigued by that and want a kind of wild show. Because it looks good. These Blu-rays are fantastic. But just, I believe shortly we get Ultra 7 as the next series in line, and Ultra 7 is fantastic. Should be picked up if you are anyway interested in tokusatsu. And hopefully it turns out that uh, this push goes better than those terrible Godzilla movies Netflix did. I I hate those. I hate those. I'm not a huge Genorobuchi fan, but man, those things suck out loud, with the exception of some of the concepts in them, which I feel were done short shrift. Anyway, that is our show for this week. Next week, we will return with another stock episode of Journey Through the Decacast. I have been Editor Fletcher, and I hope you have a lovely week. Thank you again.